Aloha! My name is Samantha and welcome to the Life of Riley podcast. For those of you who don't know me, I am Samantha Riley. I'm 32 from Glasgow in the UK and I'm an advocate for all things mindset, positivity and I'm on a mission to smash my goals in life. If you are listening today, please let me know. Screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. You can find me on Instagram at Samantha Riley underscore underscore. That's S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y underscore underscore. So get comfy or ready if you're out and about and enjoy the podcast. This episode may be a hard listen. I'm going to talk about the hardest parts of my life. I believe it's important as these struggles have made me who I am today and have actually guided me down a path that I never would have had. I'm dedicating this episode to my mum, Julie Riley, or as I called her, Majuli. As you will have heard in episode one, she was my best friend and I spent the majority of my childhood with it being just me and her. My mum died on the 5th of May 2015 and I still say that a part of me died that day too. I wanted to record this episode as I once heard someone say that as humans we die twice. Once when we physically die and again the last time someone ever mentioned your name. I'm going to do everything in my power to keep her legacy going for as long as I can. My mum was born on the 11th of September 1965. Yep, September 11th. And lived in a small town called Stranraer in the southwest of Scotland. It's one of those towns that people may stay in their whole lives and everybody knows everybody. I hear she was quite feisty as a child, knew how to stand up for herself and had an incredible bond with her older brother, my Uncle Scott. She met my dad and moved to London. My dad was from Cumbernauld and after giving the big city a go, it just didn't work out. They moved back up to Scotland and got married on the 10th of October 1987. Yours truly appeared on the 10th of July 1988, exactly nine months after their wedding night. The relationship sadly broke down and from as far back as I can remember, it was just me and mum. I was so clingy as a child. My mum was only early 20s and I would have been damned if she was leaving me anywhere. No night out or even a gym class could she go to without someone having to phone her as I was literally having kittens. She never spoke to me like a baby. She spoke to me the same way as everybody else and I honestly think that that had a lot to do with the early vocabulary, vocabulary, like tortoise. (laughs) It was just the two of us against the world and I loved it. My mum met someone else when I was about four And by the time I started primary school, I called him dad. He taught me how to ride a bike, tell the time. But secretly, I always loved it when he was working away and it was just me and mum. She used to pick me up from school and we would go to McDonald's and go to the video shop to get a video. And that was me all happy. My mum was never a maternal lady, something that I must have picked up from her. She was an incredible mum though. We went without, she went without for years and years to give me everything that I wanted. I had a birthday fairy, which to me was normal. So you can imagine my shock when I'm in my mid-twenties at work and found out that not everybody had a birthday fairy growing up. She was creative and always put me and my happiness first. My mum found a lump on her neck in 1998 and in true Julie style just left it. 
and months later got told that she had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it was cancer. She had the lump removed and then had to fight rounds of chemotherapy. I was only 10 and the same night that she explained to me what cancer was, I went up the stairs and my hamster had died. So I remember coming back down and asking her, are you going to die too? And she laughed. She looked at me like I was crazy and she was like, I am not going anywhere. That was how my mum tackled cancer. One of my mum's best friends actually said to me recently, it was like an inconvenience to her. She thought through chemo, she actually didn't miss one day of work. And by the millennium, we were going into the new year with her in remission. The whole time, she genuinely didn't even flinch. My teenage years are where our relationship really, really grew. My mum's second husband had left and after some real financial struggles, we were doing okay. My friends would all come to my house at the weekend and it literally was party time. We had so many great nights and I know for a fact that we were hated by our neighbours. Whoops. We would go shopping, we would go for lunch, we'd book holidays. We literally done everything together and I could tell her anything. In July 2013, my mum took really unwell. She was losing a lot of weight and had severe stomach problems. Tests went on for months with her picking up and then getting really, really ill again. We heard everything from its gallstones to our gallbladder needing removed and no one ever really gave us a, a solid answer. Finally, in July 2014, we were given a diagnosis. It was Linnitus plastica, a stomach cancer most common in Asian men. <laughs> There was me, my mum and my mum's partner in a room with a consultant and a nurse. And after some medical drivel, it was me that asked, is this curable? And he looked at me and literally said, no, this is stage four. We had no idea that that was coming. And we're followed out into the main corridor by a nurse who took us into a private room. The waiting room in front of us was full and everybody was staring because as you can imagine, we just fell to pieces. So there we are in this room and the nurse is kneeling on the floor in front of me and I'll never forget, she said to me, you need to now just focus on making memories with your mum. Why don't you go for cocktails in the afternoon? And I wanted to punch her in the face and I know that sounds awful, but we already done that and I never needed a death sentence to make that kind of thing happen. My mum faced this diagnosis like everything else that life ever threw at her with a strength I've never honestly seen in any other human. Dying was not an option and from that moment forward she bought cases of champagne to drink, like randomly. We spent Christmas and New Year in the Caribbean, literally booking it a week before we flew out and just made so many memories. Finally, the cancer did take its toll and after being admitted to hospital in the April, she died on the 5th of May. My mum would be raging if I went into the details of her final month, as that is not what she wanted. Even visitors were limited. She was a proud lady and I have to respect that. What did happen during this time though, was I started to develop signs of what I now know to be really worrying. But I shrugged it off. I buried my thoughts and feelings and I suppose like mum, just got on with it. I remember visiting my mum in hospital and one day I left the room that she was in 
and one of my legs felt really, really weird. It was as if I had went to stand on like a step and had missed it. And I thought at the time it was a lack of food or sleep. So I went and got some chocolate, shoved that in my face and on I went with my day. Looking back, this is the first time that I can remember experiencing anxiety. And I understand now what it was, but at the time I actually didn't see that it was my body's way of showing me that, you know, something is not right. The following months led to me going down a really, really strange path. I was dizzy all the time. I developed a fear of walking the dog, going to Tesco or being out alone as I had convinced myself that 100% I was going to faint and people were going to stare at me. I developed bad OCD, which I'd always had bits of my whole life, but now it had completely taken over. Simple things like a dish towel being out of place would mean the end of the world. I had to leave certain social events as I would be sitting clutching a chair, feeling like I was going to pass out. But while doing that, smiling and trying to act normal, I was rushed to out of hours. I made my fiancé phone NHS 24. I paid to see a private consultant. I even packed a bag one night because I had googled my symptoms and it definitely was my pancreas that was causing this. I was literally just in self-destruct mode. This peaked when I got the hardest letter that I will probably ever read. My mum fought really hard to complain about the time it took to get her diagnosis and actually took the complaint to an ombudsman. A week before Christmas 2015, the results came through and there it was in black and white. The complaint had been upheld, the system had failed her. One thing that came from this was being able to say out loud, yep mum, you were right, but that never makes that kind of news any easier and certainly did not help with my grieving. People still ask me when they hear this, how do you ever get over that? And to be honest, you don't. So after that news, my work very kindly referred me to a counsellor. And I'm not going to lie, I thought it would be pants. I was like, oh, how is this going to help? But it turned out that talking, um, cognitive behavioural therapy and some techniques that I was given did help. And I suppose from there, things did get a wee bit better. The issue that I now had with life was always that overwhelming feeling of, what is the point? I felt like every day was the same and I used to lie awake at night thinking like, is this it? Like, why? And I'm also a very spiritual person. I have been spiritual from a very young age. I've seen things that aren't there and all that kind of thing. Um, And I was always hoping to get a sign from my mum or to maybe see her and never ever did. I'm so lucky that I've got the most incredible people around me, especially my fiancé Gary, who has literally picked me up off the floor, put up with my struggles and understands what I've been through, but the worst had not even come yet. We fast forward to August 2019 and me and my best friend have taken the day off work to have my kind of day. So it was up early, go for a blow dry, head to Primark, a bit of shopping, lunch, and then sure enough, we ditched the cart and hit the pub. We end up back at my house and sitting around the kitchen table, putting the world to rights. And before you know it, 
fast forward a few hours and I find myself, I'm in the living room listening to music. I'm on my own, my friends went home, Gary's went to his bed and the dread's there again, but this time it just, it felt different. It was more calm. It was like I knew what to do and I knew how to make this pain that I'd been feeling for years finally go away. I believe, honestly, that someone was there that night as instead of going through with the plan that I now had in my head, I was guided upstairs in my drunken state to wake up Gary and for the first time ever I was able to admit that I didn't want to live anymore and that I could not remember the last time I was happy. They are not easy words to say, even now. The next few days were an absolute blur. Gary had actually left the next morning and he was gone for quite a while. And when he came back, he said, I phoned Breathing Space and arranged to get both of us, I think, the support that we needed. I had to have a really difficult but honest conversation with my boss at work, who was incredible. And I also had to tell my amazing best friend that after she left that night, I completely fell apart. I've never been able to thank the people who knew the true details of it enough as I was never ever judged and they took it as serious as what it actually was. This is where network marketing has changed my life. It sounds so strange, but in the industry, we're encouraged every day to be a better human being. We're encouraged to develop, learn, to grow, and to see life for what it is, a miracle. I still have my dark days, but I now have the techniques to fight them. I still get dizzy, but I know now how to deal with it. And my heart is still broken, but I live each day now in honour of my mum, who can't be here, and I know that I will be okay. Recording this today has taken hours. There's been a lot of tears and I'm being honest, I have really, really pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I hope that some of my story might be able to help others when it comes to mental health, grief or anxiety. I have a wee request from you all. If you're able to, please raise a glass to Julie. I'm so proud to call her my mum and I know that she would love nothing more than people enjoying a wee tipple in her honour. <laughs> My mum kept a diary for the last few months of her life and to record this episode for the first time ever, I read through it. I found huge writing on the page of July 2014 and I'm going to leave this episode and you today with her words. Fuck this shit. It's time to get positive.